Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Scale Up Your Business. So no interviews today, uh, lots of cool ones coming up, and I hope you've been enjoying the ones so far. But today, I am going to be going into a topic that has been another listener request. So this one is from a gentleman by the name of Paul Rhodes, and he has asked me, to cover capital events. Now, for those of you who don't know what a capital event is and the way that I sort of talk about it, it is when you sell your business. A capital event is actually when you sell anything and you create capital. So you're making money from selling the asset, if you like. It's it's a way of thinking about wealth creation. But when I talk about a capital event, I'm talking about you've scaled your business to the extent that you can create value and wealth from the sale of that business or what is sometimes called the exit of that business. So Paul got in touch and he said, you know, I'd really like you to cover this. More importantly, I'd like you to think about when you're starting and scaling a company, do you have the view of exiting from the beginning? So, you know, as opposed to having a business that you, you know, want to own indefinitely. And it's a really good question because, you know, I always say that the choice of whether you want to create a business that you're going to sell one day is not necessarily something that you do right from the very beginning. It may be something that comes up early on in the journey, but it's not necessarily something that I think is a good way to think, at the, particularly at the beginning in startup. And I'll get into that a bit today and just explain what I mean by that. But I've said before that there are different types of businesses. So when you go from startup, and startup really for me is you've got a proof of concept, you've got a product market fit, you've created something that's selling. So a startup for me isn't really a startup until you've got a customer that's going to buy from you. But when you get into scale up, you've got choices. And some of those choices are different depending on what you want to try and create. So first and foremost, you could create a lifestyle business. And a lifestyle business is, in my in my definition, one where it's it's not massive. It's something that gives you an income. It allows you to have freedom in terms of your ability to not have a boss, and you are the boss. But it does come with its own complexities. Businesses like that are subscale, so sometimes you can get dragged into the business a lot, and you're working in the business versus on the business, and it's one of those kind of entrepreneurial dilemmas that happen. But as you go forward, you know, the first and foremost, the first part of scale up is definitely that sort of lifestyle business. So it's sustainable, it's making money. And generally, you're starting to, to feel a sense of freedom. But then a lot of people want to move into performance businesses. And performance businesses is where you really start to scale up. That's when you're building teams, building more infrastructure. The business is generally speaking, sort of turning in, can mean the seven figures, sometimes more. And it's a proper business then. You know, you're not running you know, one office where you're the boss and everyone reports into you, you have people, teams, managers, a bit more complexity, maybe a little bit more chaos if you haven't put the structure and processes in. But importantly, 
it's really starting to create something. And it's performance businesses, when I'm looking to invest and, and make my own acquisitions, I look for performance businesses first. Certainly don't look at lifestyle businesses. Reason for that is that more often than not, it's a lifestyle business is very much around the person who's running and who's created that business. So if they decide to go somewhere else, I'm not really buying much other than the customers and the idea. And I have to put a lot of effort into kind of keep that business going when the founder leaves. Whereas a performance business usually has some structure. You know, it has managers, might have a general manager and a managing director in the business. So from my perspective, as an owner investor, as opposed to an owner operator, I look to acquire those businesses because I can run them strategically, but I don't have to be involved in the day to day. And then you've got the big ones, the empires, you know, the huge empires of this world. You know, you know who they are. They're the Apples, they're the Amazons, they're the big ones. But it's not just those guys. It's it's anything that's got significant scale, sometimes multiple divisions, multiple geographies, multiple product lines, huge. And they're the ones that, you know, have the, the biggest capital events created from them just purely because of the amount of profit and value that they are generating. So... Some people, when they start a business, they have um, these sort of grandesque ideas of creating an empire. Nothing wrong with that. Most people who start businesses just want to get away from the day-to-day of being an employee or they have a great idea and they want to start somewhere. And a long, I suppose, introduction to today's episode, but you know, in answer to the question, I always think that you need to start a business first with having a great idea And as the business evolves, as you start to get momentum, start to get success, that's when you start to think about a capital event because it is the end game. It's the end game that adds a bit more complexity to everything. So hopefully that answered a little bit of your question, Paul, but we are going to go deeper. We are going to go deeper today because I want to cover two things. We are firstly going to talk about how do you sell your business? And then I want to get into essentially the mistakes, the five mistakes to avoid when selling your business. And the reason I want to go into how do you sell a business is I think it's going to answer a lot of questions around, you know, what, how do you create a capital event? And in many cases, I do say to some people who are in the middle of scale up and they're saying, I'd like to sell this business in two to three years. In in that situation, I often say, okay, now is the time. Now is the time to sort of think about the end in mind, what you're trying to create. And now let's work back and let's put in place all of the things that need to be put in place for this business to be as attractive as possible to someone else. So you don't do that in the beginning. You do that at a point on the journey. And that point on the journey depends a lot on how, how fast you're growing the psychology and the mindset of the founder and what the market's like in terms of whether it's a good time or a bad time to sell your business. Okay, so that's it. We're going to get into that today. How do you sell your business? Even if you're not there yet, this will be a great episode to come back to, reflect on, have a think about because I'm going to cover some of the key things that you need to have in place. So first and foremost, people often ask me, when is the best time to sell a business? And my answer, strangely, and this always surprises people, is the best time to sell a business is now. And you go, oh, yeah, but hold on, I'm not making any money. And, you know, I I get all that. So when I say now, I don't mean just, you know, you have to have some value in the business. Otherwise, you're just giving it away. And there are good reasons to sell a business when it's not very valuable because 
you might have a health situation, you might want to desperately go and do something else. So there's no point keeping hold of a business that you can't grow and add value because you're just going to be on the, the treadmill spinning, yeah, and not really getting anywhere. But if you've got a perspective where you've got your business to a position where you think, you know what, I, I've, I've created enough, I'm ready, I'm ready to go, then I always say don't just hang on for another couple of years thinking it's going to be significantly better. There are horror stories out there of businesses where the founder has said, you know, I'm going to make another 10, 20, 30 million, sometimes hundreds of millions. And then literally within a period of six months, all the value of the business has gone from from something quite compelling to something where, you know, it's worth nothing. And, you know, there is a story I'm going to share with you, but keep the names and and the business and the, and the industry private because it's just such a powerful story. There was a, a guy I knew very well and he had a business that was, about eight years old, and he'd founded that business. It was generating around about eight million pounds of EBITDA, so essentially net profit. And the valuation of a business, predominantly when it's at that level, is a multiple of that EBITDA. So his expectation was he was going to sell this business for around about certainly 10 times, possibly even more. So we're looking at around about a hundred million pound exit. And he was the main founder, the main shareholder. So what happened? He <laughs> he did the silly thing. He went down to the Aston Martin garage. He'd already picked out the car he was going to get. You know, he was about, you know, literally within a year away of personally walking away with somewhere in the vicinity of 50 million pounds. Life-changing money for anybody. You know, whatever your number is, that's a huge number. Anyway, two things happened. First and foremost, the industry that he was in, there was a change in regulation and the value of his business, instead of it being 8 million EBITDA, ended up being something like 800,000 pounds EBITDA. So literally dropped from a large number to a small number. So all of the value that he was going to take away was taken away straight away. And then the second thing is there was a, a fine imposed on this business. Again, it was in the millions. So those two reasonably dramatic, catastrophic events ended up meaning that the business wasn't really worth anything. And it was one of those changes in the market, which was you know, a, a systemic change. It was something that was never going to be for this particular business to be able to come back from. So he ended up having to sell to a competitor, a different, different business, similar industry, but it had more stability and more sustainability and walked away with pretty much nothing. Okay. So back to my point, why do I say is the best time is now? The best time is now if you have a valuable business, you're clear on what you're trying to get from it. And if it's about wealth creation, which ultimately a lot of this is, wealth creation and freedom are the two big things, be clear what your number is. Whenever I ask the question, what is the number? It's amazing how many times if you really push someone towards it, they say 10 to 15 million. This is in pounds. It's probably a little bit more in dollars. And you go, you know what, actually, if you had a capital event and you can leverage sort of what you do with that money afterwards and you can kind of be efficient with tax, that sort of money is game changing. That sort of money is not having to work again as long as you're smart with it. So when people have this idea that they want to create businesses where they can make hundreds of millions and even high tens of millions off the, off the sale, I always say, be realistic. I know that you want to, you know, some people want private jets and they want all these material things. But be realistic that you've got to be very cautious and calculated and controlled when you're trying to sell your business so that you can navigate the timing so that you get the best 
for what, you know, the best opportunity and you leverage the best opportunity for you, not what you necessarily think it could be. Okay, so that's the first point. Surprises people when I say that, but hopefully I've given you a bit more context into it. So you've got a business, you've decided the right time, you, you know, it's creating value, it's going to be more valuable. When you make that decision, one of the things I say is, you know, the money piece is important, but also think about what you're trying to create this business for. Sometimes it can be that the business is going to be better off if it is somewhere else. So you might have created something, you might be really good at startup and up to a certain level of scale. And then it's time for that business to go to someone else, a different skill set, mindset, opportunity. And that's going to take your idea, what you've created and take it to another place. And that's good for you because you'll benefit from that. But it's also good for all your employees. It's, you know, if you've created a business that solves a really strong problem, it's, it's good for the world, you know, if we get into it that way. So sometimes it's about that. Other times it is, well, you know what, I, I just can't be in this business anymore. I mentioned that beforehand. A lot of the time when I make investments and I buy businesses, I look for situations where the owner hasn't got a succession plan and has had enough. And I'm always on the, on the lookout for businesses where the energy level of the founder is gone and I can come in there. I can do two things. I can help grow the business with the, the toolkit and the experience that I have around scale up. But I also look at, you know, where there are opportunities to take a business like that and try and put it together with other businesses in the same industry, same sector to create a group of businesses and create scale that way. So my strategy is slightly different. So when I think about buying and selling businesses, which is a core part of how I create my own personal wealth, I'm always looking for the strategic play. And for me about selling businesses, I'm always looking to buy and sell always, always looking for good opportunities because I know that the one plus one equals three is a really, really good thing and something that I'm motivated to be involved in. And the one plus one equals three, just to be clear on that is if you have a business which is currently doing quite well, but you're finding the organic growth, just the kind of day-to-day marketing sales, all that sort of stuff is becoming challenging. Have a look to bolt on and acquire or merge and partner with other businesses in your space. Bring them in. Because as soon as you do that, the, the accumulation of that can create significant value so quickly. I've seen people who are really, really focused on this, going out there and buying two, three, four, five businesses in one industry, one sector, and then being able to sell them within 18 months, two years. So it doesn't really matter if you are someone who's looking to buy a business or whether you have a business you're looking to sell. If it's about creating value and creating a capital event, scale is important no matter what, yeah? And how you get scale is not always just by selling more stuff to the customers and to the market that you've chosen to serve. Okay, so how to sell your business. First and foremost, prepare upfront, okay? So prepare everything upfront. Now, there's nothing worse than trying to sort of, you know, haphazardly pull together accounts, tidy up leases, contracts, all this sort of stuff, settle litigation, any employee disputes, all these sort of bits and pieces. It's a bit like, to use a really crude analogy, if you're going to sell, you know, your house, so to speak, give it a lick of paint first. It's the same thing with business. Don't go and sell a business in a rush because what will happen is one of the things that anyone coming in, it doesn't matter if it's a private equity firm an individual investor like myself, a company, 
we want to see the businesses in a good state of repair, good state of growth, good state. It's there. It's something I can just kind of, you know, take and not have to kind of fix. If there are issues in the business, the valuation is going to be lower. There is no two ways about it. I was working with someone recently. Again, they'd got some interest from the market. Great business, great bit of technology that they developed. And when they went to sell it, and it really got down to the last, literally the last line, when the um, uh, the acquiring business was looking at the accounts, uh, they realized that there was um, something funky going on with the way that um, revenue was being recognized. And as a result of that, the whole thing fell through in the last hurdle. So don't be like that. If you're going to sell your business, give yourself a little bit of runway and make sure that you prepare all the tough, challenging things that will come up during any due diligence process. The next point is don't over-focus on what we call pre-sale valuation. So this is where you've got a number in your head. Your expectation might be greater than what the market reality is. And value is driven by, as I said beforehand, good preparation, good marketing, and concentrating on both of those things. So you might sit there and say, well, hold on, yeah, I could sell. I'm currently making this profit. If I times that by this multiple, that's the number. Get it out there first. The most important thing is, is getting interest in your business. The more interest you get in your business and the more people are hungry to bid for your business, the higher the valuation is going to be anyway. Okay, so it's better to focus on that than in some sort of fictitious number. And I'll give you an example of this. I was involved in a sale a few years back now where we had seven bidders come in. Now, the process of selling a business is always challenging, complex, and can take some time. You know, sometimes you get lucky and someone comes in, it's the right fit and you sell your business, but other times it's not. And for this particular process, we had a really good organization, great company, fantastic numbers, fantastic product, seven bidders. And we managed that process so well, and it wasn't just me, I was, I was part of this. In fact, I was a small part of this team, that we had one of those bidders want to go into exclusivity, which means they wanted to have negotiations just with us very early on, which meant that to allow that person or that, that group to have the right to have those conversations with us, we could put the price up significantly high, which we did. And we ended up selling that business for 14 times profit. So huge. So this preparation and this idea about kind of making sure you get yourself set up is a really key part of the whole thing. Then what I say, and this is really good for smaller businesses, create a one-page sort of business sales profile. And this is essentially what we call a teaser in the private equity world. It's headline information about your business. And it's a document that you use as a template that's going to sort of create what we call the information memorandum, which is the more detailed document later on. But essentially what it would cover is what you do, where you do it, so the geographies of that, any points of difference from competitors. So that could be location, customers, contracts, you know, different types of clients that you serve. The potential for growth, so this is where you tease a little bit into the strategy. So if you did this, it could do this, etc. If you buy this business, you could scale up here. The reason for sale, which is an important one, I'll come back to that in a second. Obviously, all of your headline financial information, so the turnover, the EBITDA, and then just the details, how they can get in touch. But what you're doing with that teaser is you're saying, I've got a great business. I'm selling it for these reasons. 
uh, it's, you know, if you take this business on, these are the things you could do with it. So for the price and what we're trying to sort of do with this, and certainly for my expectations, this is a good thing for you to want to know more about. And then that has to be put out into the right marketing channels. I mentioned marketing beforehand and finding a buyer is often a numbers game. So in the market at the moment, and as I recall this at the end of 2019, there is a distortion for small business in terms of there are more businesses out there for sale than there are people acquiring. And this is why I'm such a big believer and advocate of scaling to get you know more size and more interest because in the sort of small business market, because of the epidemic, and I've mentioned this beforehand, epidemic of baby boomers retiring, you've got, you know, I've mentioned this step many a time, 10,000 people per day retiring in the US alone, a lot of those people with businesses can't exit them. They can't sell them. There isn't enough people out there buying businesses for the number of businesses that are for sale. So if you have a business and you want to grow quickly, it's a great time to look around your market, your competitors, and look to make an acquisition. Equally, it's a good time for me as an investor to look for businesses. Yeah. But you've got to be clear that if you want to sell your business quickly, you're going to have to have differentiation. You're going to have to have a really good way of marketing and getting it out there so that you get cut through and you can stand out versus what is an interesting, in some case, oversaturated market at the moment. Okay. So I don't say that to sort of put you off. I say that hopefully to inspire you to be more strategic about your business. So if you're a lifestyle business, performance business, or you know you want to kind of get more scale, just think about what that means. If you can get your EBITDA certainly up over a million pounds, so that's definitely getting into the, the performance area of, of the market, that opens up the whole world of private equity. If you're below that, and certainly significantly below, let's say you're only making a couple hundred grand a year from your business, then that's going to be teetering on the lifestyle side. It's going to be more about you as the owner entrepreneur, much less valuable. So if you're thinking about in the next two or three years, you want to sell your business, have a think about these numbers, have a think about these ratios. The higher the EBITDA, the more differentiated the, the, the product is or the proposition is in your business, the higher the value. And in this day and age, certainly something which more and more people are going to want to gravitate towards because there'll be much more interest in it. Okay. So let's have a think about the areas. Where can you sell a business? So first and foremost, look for business for sale websites. Um, in the US, there's a great website called Biz Buy Sell. It is mainly leveraged through brokers, but it's a great way of finding businesses for sale. So therefore, it's a great place for you to advertise your business. More often than not, you know, a sale comes from people you already know. So it can be a competitor, a customer, even a supplier who's trying to extend their, their value chain. Have a look at any market research. Have a look at who's buying, advising, commentating in your market sector. So this is an important one. Definitely read things like the Financial Times and just have a look at what's going on. Yeah, you'll get a sense of that. Definitely do some Google on your market and just see if there's any specific things where businesses are getting brought together. Have a look at, you know, I call this agitating the market, really. So this is where you want to be more proactive and put yourself out there. Sometimes it's good to talk to people who are intermediaries in these areas. So lawyers are always good. Accountants are good. Um, wealth managers are good. Brokers, obviously, as well. You know, great. Brokers have a sort of 
Some people like them, some people don't. Some people have this fixation, this belief that I'm going to give away margin. Well, you are, of course, but you're actually opening up your marketplace. So it's almost the same as using a real estate agent if you're selling your house. They have expertise in terms of how you position your business as well as how you can advertise and get it out there to more and more people. So the main thing I want you to think about this is as much as finding the right buyer is important, it's also a numbers game. The more you have out there, the more you are going to get back in return. And then the last piece of that is leveraging social media. You don't go out to social media and say, hey, I'm selling my business. That's not probably the right way to do it. But you could go out there and tell the story about how your business is growing and how you're looking for investment. And in many cases, when people look at that, they come and have a conversation about investing in you. And sometimes those investment conversations turn into, hey, it's much easier if we just buy you. And I certainly advise a lot of people, a lot of my clients are in that sort of, they're a couple of years out from selling. Start the investment roadshow early and you never know that you might have a bigger player out there, one of your competitors or just just a bigger company in in a bigger geography who's looking to invest. And one of the things certainly coming our way for anyone who's living in the UK at the moment, and we've got different sort of political and economical challenges the US market looking to invest in the UK market is very strong purely because of the the strength of the dollar versus the pound. So it's a good time to sort of put yourself out there in maybe markets that you haven't thought of before, even if it is two or three years out from when you are thinking of, of actually selling. So what else is important? Firstly, make sure that when you get into conversations with potential buyers that you have NDAs in place, non-disclosure agreements, Make sure that before you send any information, you've got all of that done. Really, really, really important. And I always say that it's a little bit like that whole analogy of tire kickers. If you're selling a car, you should respond as soon as possible to any buyer inquiries, but you also should be very clear to qualify in and out anybody. So find out why they want your business. What can they add? Where are they based? How long have they been looking? You know, what are their current circumstances? experience in your sector, do they have the means to purchase? In other words, how will they fund it? Now, a lot of the time, it's not necessarily about having cash up front. So you're not looking for someone to just show you how much money they've got in a bank account. A lot of brokers play this game, but there are so many ways to buy a business through things like leverage buyouts. You can raise finance against the assets of a business. So if someone turns up and they're the right fit for you and they've got the right strategic outlook, there are ways of structuring a deal which is not always about the money up front. Now, I know that if you're trying to create a capital event, that that might be the really attractive thing. However, I would also say that, you know, there are other ways, because there are so many other ways of looking at how you would sell your business that you shouldn't disclose, particularly at the early stages or close down any opportunities because you never know the best deal could be something that's structured in a way that's a little bit unorthodox versus just a cash or a money deal. In fact, my experience, most businesses are not sold that way. Most of them are some form of leverage buyout where there is some sort of, again, leveraging of the assets in the business as part of the process. So once you've got all that going and you've got the marketings out there, you're starting to get interest. I mentioned beforehand, if you've got the, the sales teaser, that's just the one page, you need to create a detailed information memorandum. Now, this can be a pretty hefty document and sometimes, depending on the size of business, you can go out there and employ the services of a corporate finance company, corporate finance firm, and they'll do this for you. But I find 
the quality of the IM in a succinct but focused way is one of the most important things that you can have created in terms of selling your business. It's, I suppose it's a mini strategy document in many ways. No one knows the business better than you. You want to whet the appetite of the potential seller with lots of personal insights as much as the financials. Talk about the history, talk about, you know, the the great things that you've achieved, the milestones, the momentum. And it goes a long way in both influencing the psychology of why someone would want to acquire your business as much as the sort of more rational areas. It's more the emotion side. So if I reference back to an experience of mine, I remember showing a slide in, in an information memorandum that I was involved in, which showed 10 solid years of double digit profit growth. And for any one of you who have started a business and you know how hard that is, because you have to, in 10 years is a long time, but you've also got to innovate uh, to be able to achieve that. And once that, that one page, I'm sure, added two or three points on the multiple because it was just such a powerful statement of focus on the business and being able to navigate the market and, and just serving customers. So spend your time on the IM, spend your time on that information memorandum and it will pay dividends, even though it's a bit like writing a book. It's a painful process when you're doing it. Always be open, communicative, understand the different needs of prospective buyers. This is kind of back what I was sort of mentioning before about leverage buyouts. There needs to be some flexibility in terms of price and terms. You need to think about, you know, am I overestimating or underestimating the valuation? But the important thing here is nothing worse if I'm an investor and someone is just trying to sort of slow play or deliberately sort of play games. You're better off just being open and keeping lines of communication. And remember, someone buying your business, they want to give you the best deal possible. At the same time, they want to be able to take a business forward and create value. Anyone who's turning up there just trying to rip you off, then qualify them out straight away. There's no point. But be ready. Be ready to be able to be you know, open to, to anything that comes forward as opposed to just having a closed mindset about what you're trying to achieve. Because it's not just about you. It's about making sure there is something there for that, that purchaser to be able to take forward. And then the last piece, which is I think really important, is be ready for negotiation to close the business sale. So have your price clear, have the range clear. You know, without evaluation, you, you need to be able to understand exactly what is the right frame for the market. By that, I mean, you may have an expectation, but that's why I always say get some advice on what businesses like yours are going for. And back to my very original point, just make sure that you know what your number is. And it's important to be realistic about that. Yeah, I think I've made that point many a time. No one's no one's going to forget the, the story of my friends who could have walked away with millions but didn't. So keep that very clear when you're in that situation. So how long does it take to sell a business? Well, you know what? It can take five minutes. It can take five months. It can take five years. I know that's a really flippant answer, but it does depend on who turns up. And... Often I say, you know, if your business is, is well marketed, you've got lots of interest, you've been playing the investment game, you've got a strong story and pitch behind it, that's just going to increase your chances. If your business is the same as everyone else's, it's a commodity, A, it's not going to be as valuable and it's going to take longer to sell. It's as simple as that. 
So let me just move on to the mistakes. So I think I've covered a lot here about how do you sell your business. There's a lot of detail in this today, I know, but I, I want you to kind of start to think about this now. And there's hopefully some insights about what you can start to do to get prepared. As always, if you've got questions about this, because I've been involved in multiple deals over the last decade, get in touch with me and I'll help you. Okay. But this is one of the things where I definitely advise this is you do not do this by yourself. Trying to sell your business by yourself is just going to cause lots of pain, anguish. It's going to take too long. You're better off giving up a bit of margin and a bit of the, the value of your business to get the best price and to get it done in the most structured and most congruent and most successful way. So the five biggest mistakes, and this is what you should avoid when selling your business. So firstly, and you kind of get this from what I've just said, not planning ahead or waiting too long to sell. So I'm not going to harp on. Plan in advance. If you're in a position now where you're even thinking about doing it next year, next two years, start to get stuff in place. Yeah, start to put the lick of paint on the business, so to speak. Mistake number two is not finding the right person to represent your business. So again, is it a broker? Is it corporate finance? It's definitely not just you. So even if you think you can do it, I would suggest get some help. Really, really important. And the point I really want to make here is get the right help. So you don't want just someone who's going to flog your business because they've got hundreds of businesses on their books and you just look interesting for a while. And then as soon as someone doesn't like your business or you're not successful in terms of being sold quickly, they just move you down the list. You don't want that. You want someone who understands your industry someone who understands you, someone who shows a personal interest. I'm very, very clear on this. If I sell one of my businesses, I'm very clear on getting someone who is there and they're actually interested in me, the strategy, not just the financials. Mistake number three, which I see is thinking you don't have to promote or market yourself. So again, it's about you. It's about the business. It's about starting those conversations early. It's not about making a decision, then putting an ad out there on a website. Yeah, you do that at some point, but the number of times a business has been sold, certainly in someone's head, months, if not years before the business goes to market, I mean, that's the most powerful way. It comes back to the episode I did recently on networking, getting yourself out there, telling your story, having a personal brand. All of this is going to help increase the value of your business and more importantly, it's going to increase the likelihood of you getting success in selling it. Okay, mistake number four asking too much or even too little for your business. Both of these are precarious. So I think I've told you before, you can obviously sell business on EBITDA. It can also be on revenue multiples. But you've really got to think about what is that point? I say have a range. Consider your industry, similar businesses, the economy, your marketplace, and price your business to sell, not for something that's going to sit on the shelf. So have a realistic valuation. Yeah. And as I said, the starting point for me is what's the number? What's the number that's going to change things for me and allow me to do something else? And that's where you should start. Obviously, listen to brokers and consultants who you trust, but there's no excuse or certainly no um, mitigation, if you like, for doing your homework first. Okay. And number five is, and this is a bit of a strange one, selling the business to the wrong person. Now, I haven't covered this in detail, but quite often, and depending on how you sell a business, you don't always get the money up front. There's a thing called an earnout, And if you've got a big business and you sell it to another 
business or you sell it to private equity, there's an expectation that you'll take some money out when you sell the business, but you'll roll over the rest. And what that means is you leave some of the value in the business for a period of time or to the delivery of a certain number of targets before you get paid. And sometimes that can be 60% up front and 40% left in the deal. So what does that mean? Well, first and foremost, it means if you sell the business, you've got to stick around. It's not that you're running off into the into the sunset with your millions and sitting on a beach. I mean, in some cases, deals get done like that, and that's absolutely fine, and I, I certainly say that's cool, but they tend to be the exception to the rule, particularly when your business has a certain amount of scale. So I look at this in three ways. I go, first and foremost, is the person I'm selling the business to someone that I can work with for a period of time afterwards? Am I going to get what I need from this personally? Second thing Is it the right fit for my employees? Is this something that's going to help them develop? Is it going to be something that's going to be a a good thing for them? Because in many cases, when I'm running a company, I'm serving them as much as I'm serving my clients. Yeah, I don't want to go and sell the business for my own selfish reasons and then leave them in a situation where it's not going to be beneficial. Now, of course, it's not always like that. You can't always walk into situations like that. You have to make decisions that sometimes are more challenging. But more often than not, these people have helped you grow that business. So you need to be thinking about them in the right way. And the third part is, is this good for the market? Is this good for my customers? So if you've spent years creating great relationships with your customers, I bet that you don't want to lose those relationships just by making a quick rash decision of who you've sold the business to. So if you have a huge degree of integrity in terms of what you're trying to achieve and you really think this through and you've done all the things that I've mentioned on this episode with consideration, you're going to be able to look at those three dynamics and the right person that you want to sell, the right organization that you want to sell your business to will shine from the other options that you have. Okay. So there we go. This is a long one. I just looked down. So we can go for 37 minutes of me rambling on about how you can sell your business. So I think it's an important one, though, because more often than not, when I'm working with people and they say, Nick, help me, help me grow, help me scale my business. I say, OK, what, what for? What do you want? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. What, what, do you, what, what are you talking about? And I said, well, ultimately, you want to create freedom and wealth. Isn't that right? That's why you started your business. Your business is a vehicle for you to be able to step into something different, be that a different identity or a different way of how you want to spend your time. Most people say to me they want to you know, be able to live where they want. They want to do things with whoever they want, when they want, which is obviously freedom. So... You might be talking in the very beginning and you might have come into this podcast thinking, well, actually, I just want to grow and scale my business. But ultimately, you've got to ask the bigger question. Do I one day want to sell? So what I've covered today, again, in lots of detail, there is this is probably too much. Sometimes I do do too much. and I get told that I probably should break this down. You've got everything you need today to really start to think about that. So I want to finish with just a quick summary because there's only a few points that really need to be considered out of everything I've said today. First and foremost, when you start your business, I suggest that you don't start your business at the very beginning with the ambition straight away to exit it. The first thing you should focus on is growing a great business. Yeah, get customers, sell stuff, bring cash flow. Once that's starting to happen, absolutely think about what the end game could be. But if you think about the end game too early, you're going to be distracted and not focused enough on actually building something that's going to be valuable, you know, either now or in the future. 
Second thing is, when you make that decision that you want to sell your business, start quite early. There's a lot of preparation. The first thing really is about the the influence and the marketing and the networking. So go out there and really become more prolific. And that could be directly. So if you are saying, I want to sell the business in two years because you've got it to that point, then that's going to be with investors. It's going to be with competitors who may want to buy you. But I think all the way through the journey of entrepreneurial scale-up, having that strong network is always going to serve you. And I've, I've spoken a lot about that on previous episodes. So give yourself time is probably the big message here. And don't rush it. Don't suddenly wake up one day and say, okay, the business is for sale. Build up to that point. And then the third part is you're not going to do it alone. So surround yourself with good people. That's people in the business. It's people outside the business. But the more that you can start to leverage those networks, and as I said, the key thing around selling a business is starting to get interest and having multiple buyers. That's what's going to get you a good price. Then you want to be able to start that early. Okay? So that's it. Key dynamics. Key dynamics of how you sell a business. I've sold a few in my time. I've bought a few in my time. I would like to honestly say that they haven't always been perfect. (laughs) As much as I like to, to think that I've got a lot of experience in this space, you can sometimes get it wrong. But it's a great fun ride. It's not great just because of the wealth creation side. It's great because, you know, when you create something and when you build and grow something, it gives you a lot of personal satisfaction as well. So that's it. Whew, I can take a, take a breath and have some water. Lots in this episode today. Thank you very much for listening. I'm just going to finish with um, a question that was asked from me this week. So I've been talking a lot about goal setting and you know what we do around that sort of process and how I do it every year. And a couple of questions that came through from the community this week were, you know, what are you doing next year, Nick? So 2020 is around the corner. What are you going to be doing? What's your focus? And for me, because I'm doing more sort of on the coaching and mentoring side, I'm, I suppose, scaling up my experience and my network in that area. So I'm going to be um, investing in myself um, with some pretty interesting people in that because I want to be able to serve my clients uh, more effectively and all you guys. So I'm going to be definitely wanting to get better at that. So um, I'm definitely going to have that as a focus area on the professional development side. I'm always trying to get better at the buying and selling businesses. And I'm always looking at the new strategies, new ways of doing that. So I do invest in that, be that masterminds, be that um, mentors. And then on the, on the sort of more personal development side, I'm involved in a mastermind group called M1. Now, if you think back to the Rock Thomas episode I did quite a few weeks back now, in fact, I think it was episode 25. So as we're getting close to 50, it was quite a while back. But um, I joined uh, Rock's Mastermind M1. And I did that because a lot of what I talk about on this show is, is the mechanics are set of scale up, but you also need to get the mindset right. And that's also about leveling up other areas of your life. So M1 is a whole life leadership mastermind. It covers things like net worth, passive income, improving relationships, health, lifestyle, very much about putting things in the right place to live life on your terms. And the reason that I've joined that also is it's full of people who are very high achievement, big goals, no excuses. Um, they want a place to sort of belong where you can go on you know, crazy adventures and surrounded by people who have that mindset. And I also like the fact that there's a lot of accountability within that group to take massive action across other areas of your life. So 
that's what I'll be focusing my personal development on. Um, I'll leave a link in the show notes to it if you're interested in having a look. It's not for the faint-hearted. It's weekly accountability. It's setting big goals, but doing that in the um, the frame of other people who are there wanting to set big goals and, and do big things as well. So for me, that's a personal part of my journey. And as I always say, I'm always up for growing and developing myself to become the best version I can be. And that's certainly what drives me now in everything that I'm doing. So hopefully that answers the question. There's probably more detail again as to what I'm doing, but that's how I sort of manage my time, particularly this time of year when I reflect on what I'm trying to achieve and and certainly some of the areas and the big goals that I want to achieve over the next few years. So there we are. That's it. Long episode. As always, reach out to me. If you've got any suggestions for future episodes, then I'm always happy to listen to those. If you need any help whatsoever, as I said, give me a shout on LinkedIn and I'll jump on a call with you. And if you're getting value from what I'm doing, as always, you know, I'm always grateful for people who subscribe, leave a review, pass on um, the, uh, the mission of scale up your business to others. Very grateful for that. And it's something that inspires me to keep on doing what I'm doing. Okay, that's it. Today's show. Be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. Bye for now.